Hello, everyone. Welcome to Co-Creating Heaven on Earth Telesummit. This is your host, Leah Houston. Our guest today is Martin Root, a leader in the emerging field of spirituality in the workplace, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul at Work, and founder of Project Heaven on Earth. I'm really especially delighted to have Martin with us today as the first speaker in this series. I just met Martin by phone really recently, just less than two weeks ago, and I've had the pleasure of several phone conversations. Each time I talk with Martin, I I feel very deeply inspired by the work that he's doing in the world. I've learned so much from him already about the depth of what heaven on earth means and how we can each bring it into reality. The work that Martin's doing helps me feel really hopeful about the future of our world. Martin Root is an international speaker and consultant. As president of Livelihood Incorporated, Martin has worked with such organizations as the World Bank, Sony Pictures Entertainment, Southern California Edison, Virgin Records, SO Petroleum, and London Life Insurance. A leader in the emerging management field of spirituality in the workplace, Martin is committed to reconnecting business with its natural source of creativity, innovation, and compassion. His pioneering work on spirituality in the workplace was featured on the ABC TV special, Creativity, Touching the Divine. Martin has been a speaker at all six international conferences on spirituality and business and has spoken at conferences on this topic all over the world. He's the co-author of the New York Times business bestseller, Chicken Soup for the Soul at Work, and Martin is currently working on a new book, Project Heaven on Earth, The Work of Humanity. Martin, welcome. Thank you, Leah. Pleasure to be here. So great to have you. Thank you. So, Martin, your new book is Project Heaven on Earth. Heaven on Earth has become the focus of your work for several years. How did you first become connected to this? I, I should say just uh, it's um, I'm still writing the book. It's not, not done yet. Um, but about in terms of how I got into this, it must have been about 10 or 15 years ago, I was doing a speech, as you said in your introduction. I've been doing a lot of work on spirituality and work. And just uh, before I was going to do a keynote on that topic at a conference, I just had this, I was sitting quietly um, talking about, thinking about, you know, what would be next and how would it work. And uh, this thought came to me, well, what would happen if every business in the world was spiritual? Was that what you want? And I thought, well, yeah, but if we get that, because business has the really the temporal power in the world now, we could really have a lever to shift the world for the good. And so this thought came into my mind, oh, so you're talking about heaven on earth. And I thought, oh, my God, you can't say that. And I thought, why? Well, wait a minute. You know, 20 years ago, we couldn't talk about spirituality and work, and now we have a, a center for spirituality in the workplace at a St. Mary's Business School in uh, in Halifax, Canada, that I founded and chair of the board of. So that we can do, and why couldn't we do heaven on earth? And so that uh, that kind of, I don't know, it, it was like an in-breaking, that thought, you know, you're here for heaven on earth. And I thought, oh, that, it was intriguing to me. It was intriguing. And so that began really a quest that I'm still on to understand what this is, what's heaven on earth, how does it work, um, and stuff that we're going to obviously talk about in this interview. But that's how I started. 
And you use the word, it became intriguing to you. And I love that. And it seems really to epitomize the way you've approached it. Because you do a lot of questioning and, and bringing people toward um, exploring questions, don't you? I do. The, the, uh, you're very perceptive. The notion of intriguing has been a, a real theme, underlying theme, I think, of a lot of my life. Um, you know, when, when I, I have these new ideas like spirituality in the workplace or heaven on earth, or years ago I even had the notion of a vision. I mean, not my idea, but I was, uh, again, just intrigued. How does one bring about a new, uh, new idea or what I call a new meme into society, into civilization, really a new conversation, a new narrative? And so, um, I'm not a reader, a huge reader, where I get my information or how I do my research is by talking to people and by questioning them and seeing, you know, what what questions are um, evocative and what questions leave people cold. And that's the way I hone and hone and hone the work down until so you get down to really simple questions that are very deep and very profound for people. So that that's the notion of intriguing. It's like a puzzle for me. That Somebody else once said that about me that I enjoy you know, human mind puzzles. So it's almost as if the the something came to you as something to explore and then you're finding the pieces of the puzzle that create it, almost as if yep. there was an image that wasn't formed and you're helping to find that. Hmm. Um, but what do you mean by the... Not, go ahead. Not an image, yeah, not an image, um, a notion. So uh, ah. vision was a notion... Uh, or an idea, spirituality in the workplace was an idea, and now heaven on earth is an idea. And uh, are those ideas useful? Uh, that people get value from them, and not just because I say so, because they say so. Ultimately, they're the the the, the, the terminator of the of value. Um, and so I found in each of those three arenas, the answer is yes. So tell me again the three arenas. There's the notion uh, in my life with the vision followed by spirituality mm-hmm. work, followed by heaven on earth. Ah, right. And what do you mean by the word meme? You mentioned that a minute ago. Yeah, meme is, uh, it's spelled M-E-M-E, and it's, uh, it means thought form, but, but like a, um, a, myth, a mythic thought form, not myth in the negative sense, but in the positive or a new narrative. Um, and so... Um, some people have said to me that heaven on earth is a new meme, a new thought form. And I really like that. I, I, I mean, I knew what the word meant. I hadn't thought of it as a meme, but, but you know, after several people said it to me, I thought, yeah, that's interesting. So by by so thought a mythic form, by thought form or by by mythic, yeah, meaning necessarily that people uh, are engaged. Um, and my experience, Leah, has been with heaven on earth. And with the other issues, too, but since we're talking about heaven on earth, they're engaged at a very deep soul level or um, even what I call an essence of soul level, that it really touches something very profound in people. Um, I've had people in workshops that I've done, you know, when we talk about heaven on earth, and, but more importantly, when they get in touch with what that is for them. I mean, I've had crying, I've had sobbing, uh, which, I mean, you know, fine i i've seen crying and sobbing in my life but it it uh it shocked me at how frequent not every time but it, you know it it will happen and i and when i ask people what you know what it's about it's 
because it's released something that's been suppressed by them for years. In this case, it's the vision for the kind of world they want. Wow. So at first you thought, oh my gosh, I can't say that. I can't talk about heaven on earth in these places. And then you began to, and you're getting this very deep response. <laughs> I like it when people say you can't talk about something. That I, I always that's oh. like waving a, a red flag at a bull for me. So even though that came from some part of yourself, some part of you said, oh, you can't talk about that, you still took it as a challenge. I did. Mm. I did, I did. Uh, because there was, for me, no inherent negativity or no inherent, uh, you know, evil in it. I mean, if you talk to people about heaven on earth and what it is for them, they're profoundly moved by their own answers. The, the difference with, you know, the, the, one of the fears about heaven on earth is that you're going to impose your vision of heaven on earth, or it's a proselytizing uh, religious point of view because it uses the word heaven and neither of which are true um, and so when you when those are, are scraped away in the person's own experience and they get to see and experience more importantly what heaven on and feel what heaven on earth is for them and where they speak from when they speak about heaven on earth I mean it's just it's incredible What are some situations in which you've used this? Well, mostly in, in, in workshops and seminars. Um, the, the If I can answer your question a little differently, the, what, the energetic that arises when people talk about heaven on earth, you know, it could be different like, you know, love on the world or the end of hunger, the end of war. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about the kinds of answers, but the energetic in which the answer lives is always the same. There's a purity, there's a simplicity, there's an immediacy. Um, there's, it, it, it's like I used to say it's like the soul is speaking, but lately I've been saying it's like the essence of the soul is speaking because it seems deeper than that. And that energetic is always the same. It's surprising, but it's always the same. The content's different, but the energetic is always the same. Wow. That must be very um, moving to find that again and again. It's if you're, this question that you're asking or these questions you're asking about heaven on earth are touching something that people are longing to have touched and expressed. Leah, that's, uh, you know, the interesting that you use the word longing. That's how I begin my workshop, by saying there is a desire, a longing in each of us for a world that works. And uh, that's over and over and over again. And they will tell you what having a world that works, they'll tell you what it means. And so the... Uh, the issue of heaven on earth is not me telling them what heaven on earth is. As I said earlier, that's the, that's the fear they have. And, and that's the bad rep that uh, world visions have gotten, namely that you're going to come and impose a world vision on people, and if they buy it, it'll work, you know, life will be fabulous. So and we've seen the bad examples of that, you know, uh, communism, socialism, aspects of materialism, I mean, even aspects of capitalism. But those are imposed, and so people, people's experience over the ages has been that 
uh, world visions are imposed. And in this day and age, you can't do that anymore. I mean, we saw the fall of communism. You know, we're seeing the problems with some aspects of socialism and some aspects of capitalism. So you can't impose that. And, and, but the problem is that they think that, therefore, that world visions are bad because they're only imposed. And so the world vision, the vision that people have for the kind of world they want, that's the issue that gets the bad reputation. Whereas what I'm saying is, but if you don't impose it, if you evoke it from within the person themselves, that's an entirely different story. It comes from an entirely different place. The image I have is of you inviting up or evoking up little sprouts from all over the planet. <laughs> you know, like so in, in each one of us, in each group, in invoking that to come up, inviting it and nourishing it to come up. And so when you talk about a new story, perhaps it's sprouting from all those different places. I think so, Leah. Um, and uh, just a little bit more on a new story. I'm saying that it's a new story of what it means to be a human and what it means to be humanity. So both the individual news story and the collective news story. And that this time in the evolution of humanity, of us, is the time for this to arise. So that this is my take at it. I mean, other people are coming, are doing it differently, somewhat differently, but I think all, you know, the people that I've been watching lately doing this are all coming from this new, new place of, of uh, or, or this evolutionary place of a new narrative for the planet that includes the collective and the individual. Because we can't do anything anymore that's not affected by everyone else, and we can't do anything that doesn't affect everyone else. We're well, also phrase, interrelated. And Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to speak exactly to that. The phrase that came to me years ago, exactly to what you're saying is, you have to do it by yourself, and you can't do it alone. Mm. So that's that. That's the individual, the story, the new story of what it means to be human that we each have to find, and then the story of humanity that we can't do it alone. Right. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's very exciting, very, very exciting to think of. Thank you. You've done a lot of work with um, Jewish and Muslim people around this idea, haven't you? Yeah, I, I was invited by a group in Miami, uh, not Miami, uh, just north of Miami. Anyway, they um, it's called Jam, Jews and Muslim, which I thought was a fabulous story, fabulous title name. And uh, I was going to be in that area, and these are friends of mine. Um, actually, the, the woman is a black woman Muslim, and she and her husband have been friends for a long, long time. And so I was coming in, and I said, she said, well, you're here. You want to do a, a talk for our group? And I said, sure. And I said, okay, here's my title, Heaven on Earth for Jews and Muslims. And she laughed. <laughs> so I did the talk, and, and I prefaced it because I, I, I thought, um, well, uh, here's how I prefaced it. I said, we're, we're thinking too big, when it's too small, rather. We're thinking too small when we... Think of heaven on earth for Jews and Muslims, because you know you could expect that the room would be saying, "Oh my God, heaven on earth for Jews and Muslims—that's so huge, it's impossible, it can't happen." Da da da. Look at the history. And so I came in and said, "No, that's not big enough. We've got to look at heaven on earth for the world." 
until I did my talk on Heaven on Earth for the World. And then I said, okay, now let's look at Heaven on Earth for Jews and Muslims as a subset of that. And all of a sudden this enormous problem, you know, shrunk dramatically in size. And uh, there were both Jews and Muslims in the group. Um, It was a wonderful, wonderful evening. But more important for me personally, the night before, the afternoon before, rather, they invited me for lunch, the board did, and the board is, you know, Jews and Muslims, I think there's a couple of Christians, but mostly Jews and Muslims, and sitting beside me was this um, older Muslim man, you know, lovely, we're talking away, talking away, and the co-chair of the group, who is uh, a Jewish woman, had to leave lunch early, so she, you know, came over to me to say, thank you for coming, and da-da-da, and goodbye, and so on. And she turned to the guy beside her and just gave him, you know, so this is a Jewish woman with a Muslim man, gave him just a little peck on the cheek to say goodbye. And mm-hmm. nobody thought, uh, nobody reacted to it. And I almost jumped out of my chair because it was such an example of, really for me, heaven on earth for Jews and Muslims. You know, she just gave him a little peck mm-hmm. on the cheek and uh, nobody noticed. And so I, I also mm-hmm. used that the next evening as my example of really what heaven on earth for Jews and Muslims would be. And these people right there are living it. They're, They're doing living things it. toward that. They mm-hmm. are. Wow. Maybe we should go back. Would it be interesting, you know, because I was talking earlier with you about about what heaven on earth is for people. Um, maybe I should take you through my uh, the three questions uh, about heaven on that earth. That would be lovely. Yes, okay. Absolutely. So here's here's the questions, and um, people who are listening to this can certainly use these questions. So the first question is, tell me a time when you experienced heaven on earth. Do you want, do you want to answer these with me? Sure, I'm sure I'll answer them, yeah. Okay. Tell me a time when you experienced heaven on earth. Well, what comes immediately to me now is last August when my first grandbaby was born, and the little Charlie... And I flew back to Florida, of course, to be with them. And one particular, well, every morning, uh, he would wake up very early, and I wanted to let his mom sleep. So I would take him out on the the patio. And it was early, the sun would rise. I would be sitting in this chair on the patio. And the sun would be rising, the day would be beginning. And he would be just sleeping on my chest. And I would feel so completely at home and at peace in the world. And I, just thinking of it, can just feel him lying there breathing together with me. Mm. That was heaven on earth. It's a beautiful, I mean, I was right there with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure everybody listening was going to be right there with you as well. Uh, so thank you for answering that. And. The point I want to make here is what I said to you was, tell me a time when you experienced heaven on earth. And and you'll notice that what you did, Leah, was answer the question. What you didn't do uh, was say, what is heaven on earth? And what surprises me is in asking that question, the vast majority of people will not say, what do you mean by heaven on earth? The vast majority of people just answer the question. So that tells me two things. One is, that you do know what heaven on earth is, and secondly, that you've had at least one experience in your life of that. So the first question, tell me a time you experienced heaven on earth, is designed to elicit 
excuse me, to elicit the fact that you do know and that you've had a time. The second question is, here's a magic wand, and you can have heaven on earth. What is heaven on earth for you? The first word that comes is connection and sacred connection. To me, heaven on earth is for me and for all of us to live remembering our connection, that sacred connection with each other, with all the people on the world, with nature and with all the beings, and to live our lives in a way that we're honoring and celebrating and caring for that connection that we all live in. Very beautiful. Imagine a room of 100, 200 people just answering that question. And and notice as well, notice the energetic that I spoke about earlier, how you just go, you just drop right into that energetic. Forget the content for a moment, but the energetic for you in answering the question was, I would say, you know, very pure, simple, direct, soft, not positional, and shared from a very, very deep place. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's how it feels. I mean, it's nice because I can like a nice, quick meditation to just drop into that place. That's yeah. a lovely. No one's ever said that. That's a lovely way to say it. Yeah. And so, in a room with hundred, two, three hundred, whatever people sharing that, that energetic comes up for everybody. Now the content is different. But the energetic is there, and that is what I talk about as being the essence of soul speak. It's so deep, and you know it. So I'm not telling you what to say. You, you know, that was the question evoked it from you, and you spoke it. I don't know what it is specifically for you. And so that gives you a, a totally different sense of what heaven on earth is and the energetic from it, and it, it lives within you. So you can imagine if some people, or if a person rather, had never had an experience like that of such a profound level, I mean, you obviously have, uh, I'm assuming you have, um, that it's very evocative, it's very empowering for people. And then the third question, sorry, can I move on or you're... Oh, yes, yes, go ahead. I'm feeling your energy, okay. The third question then is, uh, because we want to then take that into the world, what simple easy actions can you do in the next 24 hours to begin creating that or if you've already begun to have a little bit more of that well what comes for me with that is that this afternoon as I have several projects I'm working on here at home I'm writing my my newsletter to my e-zine subscribers and um, working on several projects to throughout the day remember to tap back into what heaven on earth feels like to me you know tapping back into that connection and to be having the intention of living and enjoying my day from that place so that the writing and the things that I do come from that connection oh. lovely you might also want to write it up, you know, put it on as a screensaver on your refrigerator so that it's, it's present in your life as a, as a remembrance as well. 
um, all kinds of different ways that you could, you know, touch back into that, ways that work for you. So That's a great you, idea. It's a very nourishing. It seems like a very nourishing, simple thing to be able to um, tap into and work with. I've asked hundreds, well, more than thousands of people this question, and the answers are, and every time I feel nourished as well when I hear an answer. Um, it's just, it's amazing. I can't explain. I'm, I'm trying to struggle with, you know, articulating where the speaking comes from. And as I said, it's not soul. It's more essence of soul for me. It's a very profoundly deep place. I'm thinking of the term, I, I think um, Emerson used it, oversoul, and other people have too. It feels almost to me like that soul that is beyond each of our individual souls through which we're all connected. Yeah. The, um, it taps into an individual soul level, and this might be a good place to kind of transition into so what happens after you i've listened to you know thousands of people speak yes um, i'd love to hear that well the, and so you begin to hear patterns in the answers so so far four patterns have emerged uh, one is that there are people who i call the inners and the inners um, come from the premise that the way you create heaven on earth is to touch into it in your own self. So they will do things like art, music, poetry, to, to bring out more of the heaven on earth. Uh, they will also go into therapy, seminars, to, to clean up all the, any stuff that's in the way of expressing heaven on earth. And the premise is the more I go into this and get in touch with this, the more it will show up in the world. They live their values. They look at life purpose, life vision, all of that stuff that we know on the inner uh, to strengthen and bring out more of heaven on earth and to clean up any of the stuff in the way. So that's, that's inner. Then there are people who are outer, and I, I, in no way is, uh, am I you know, prioritizing here. Just different people do it different ways. The other, the, the, uh, another is the outer. And the other outer person... His premise is, in order to have heaven on earth, it's got to exist out there. If not, it's theoretical. So how do we make it? Not if not, just we've got to make it exist out in the world. That's where it counts for them. And so mm -hmm. their first thing is ending a suffering. That's always a major for the outer. So ending hunger, ending war, ending poverty. And the premise is that they will, for them, think that there is one suffering that's kind of a keystone suffering. And by that I mean uh, that if this suffering is removed, all the other sufferings will collapse. So, so that, the, that one suffering, that's a very interesting concept. One suffering is the keystone. And then if they can help that to begin to shift, then everything else shifts. Not shift, dissolve, end. No, no, it, it's not about shifting. It's about ending it. Very okay. clear. End mm. uh, war, and suffer, and war, and hunger, and poverty. It's very clear for them. Um, another aspect of outer is institutions. This is rare, but there's those people who say, 
Uh, this came actually. This thought came from a, a man named Brother Wayne Teasdale, who Teasdale, who's unfortunately passed away. But he asked me a question. He said, "Why do we always think of individuals enlightening, Martin? Why don't we think of institutions enlightening?" So I thought, well, what if the purpose of the institutions of society was to have heaven on earth, was to create heaven on earth, so that, for example, business's purpose create heaven on earth, science create heaven on earth, government, politics, law, uh, healthcare, the major institutions of society. What would they do? How would they treat the people they're serving? How would they be treated? How would they treat other institutions? Um, so, wow. Yeah, and then the third in the outer is nations. First one who brought this up for me was a woman named Margaret Jeffries in New Zealand who said to me, I was doing a conference down there years ago, and she said, I want New Zealand to be the first heaven-on-earth country in the world. And I went, I, I couldn't even get it. <laughs> it was so big. I went, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, well, that just means I can't get it. But, you know, after about five minutes, I thought, oh, sure, why well, why not? So wow. a country, uh, you know, like NAFTA, the three North American countries, uh, or like the European, European Union or United Nations, you know, nations. So those are the outer focus. So inner, outer. Then there's a group of relationships. Those are people who say that, and you, I think you fall a little bit into this one, Lee, as I listen to your answer, connected. So it's about relationships, a relationship with oneself, with another or others, with God, with the, some of them with the environment, their relationship. So their job is to clean up any of the junk in the relationship and to bring more heaven on earth. And then the fourth, the fourth one, so we have inner-outer relationships, and the fourth one is now. And that's a group of people who say, this is heaven on earth. It's just that we can't see it or we don't believe it's possible. But by scraping those away, here it is. The premise being that why do we think of heaven only as after death or where God and the angels live, but not here? That, that, that's, a, you know, that's a myth, a negative. I mean, that's a, that's a false myth. So those are the four arenas. And... Um, that I've discovered so far. Um, May I ask you a question about the last one, about the now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can really relate to this one in terms of experiences I've had of it being heaven on earth at that moment. But I'm also wondering within this, does heaven on earth in that experience include what we would consider negative experiences? Um, it's like looking at all of it in a very different way that's less judgmental of good and bad. Yeah. yeah jumping uh, uh, at the level not of the duality or not of the judgment, mm -hmm. um, uh, but at the level of isness. Mm -hmm. And so there the main task that we would have would be to have awareness and acknowledgement of it rather than necessarily changing anything about it. Um, as a friend of mine jokingly said to me, <laughs> he he sent me an email the other day about, I think it was uh, Suzuki Roshi saying, you know, everything is something like, don't quote me on this, but something like, everything is perfect and there's work to do. Mm, nice. So it's not just so sitting I, back and saying, oh, it's all heaven, we just let it happen the way it is, but it's acknowledgement of the perfection as we do the work. Yeah. 
Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's very nice. Hmm. So, I so when you to, work with the... Yeah, go ahead. Let me just, yeah, one, just one other point. So I wanted to bring up to the people listening to this now that there are those four arenas and that one is, and this is very important for me, not better than the other. And the example I use is I did a workshop once and a woman stood up and I asked her, you know, what is heaven on earth for you? And she stood up and said, love. It's about love. If you have love in the world, everything will work. And it was very sweet, very profound, pure answer for her. And then the next person who stood up was this guy who said, no, it's about ending hunger. Look, how could you have heaven on earth if, if, if people are starving? It's no. And so they start to get into it, right? And I, I let it go on a little bit. Um, and then I stopped and I said, okay, so let's look what's happening here. For her, it's about love. For you, it's about ending hunger. And then what you did was started, in a sense, fighting, not physically, uh, about which one is right. So you make the other one wrong. You're trying to make yours right, and the energy goes into that dynamic. And the booby prize, as an old teacher of mine used to say, the booby prize is you get to be right. <laughs> wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be better to support her, all of us in this room, to bring more love into the world? And wouldn't it be better to support him, all of us in this room, to have the end of hunger? And that just shifted everybody. Because the purpose here is not to come up with the right way. I mean, you know, the the, uh, the love woman might have changed tomorrow to, to to ending hunger, and the ending hunger guy might have changed tomorrow to, to love. So uh, these are not fixed answers. These are answers that are true for you today, and tomorrow they could change. Or not. I don't know. But I don't want to to have them be the source of, disagreement that the energy goes into that i'd rather have the energy go into for her more love in the world and for him ending hunger and, and they're so both that's part of creating yeah it's and part, of, part creating of creating a new story exactly exactly yeah, because it's yeah it's not i'm if i'm going to be right you have to be wrong and it's it's not this or this or this but it's yes this and this and this a friend of mine, John Wade, has come out a couple of months ago with a book called How to Achieve a Heaven on Earth. And in the book, he's got Leah, both Barack Obama and George Bush. And wow. it was fascinating to me that he got both of them. Uh, they didn't write a specific essay. He took essays they'd already, already written in that case. Other people wrote uh, original essays. But I said to him, why? And he said, because you have to build a tent large enough to include them both, which I thought was an incredible answer. It's a wonderful answer. It is a wonderful answer. And if we're not doing that, yeah, go ahead. ahead, No, 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 I'm I'm always interrupting. Go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) I'm I'm just so excited about this. It's so wonderful. I, I just was saying, if we're not doing that, if we're going to build a tent that only some people with certain beliefs can fall into, we're just adding to more of the same that has gotten us where we are. You know, where we if we create if I create what I think is heaven on earth and I'm gonna protect that at all costs, we're back to religious wars. We're back to, to wars, uh, 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 you know, whether they're physical or not physical. Mm-hmm. Um, now the only thing and this is for me, is 
my premise is that the vast, vast, vast majority of the world, when given the opportunity to explore what heaven on earth is for them, would come up with answers in the arenas that I've been speaking about and would begin to want to have that uh, show up in the world. And I also think there's a, that there is a minority of crazies who don't want that. But they're, for me, controlling the world now, or the agenda of the world. And what I want to do is have the people who really do want to have this be heaven on earth be back in control of the world, given that they're the vast majority anyway. So we're the vast majority, but in a certain way we've given up our power of creating what can be and given it to other people. I think we have, Leah, and, and I think um, that this work that I'm doing on Heaven on Earth and, and that you came up with this title for this series, you know, independent of me, we, we hadn't just, as you said in the introduction, we met on online, and, you know, John Wade with his book, How to Achieve a Heaven on Earth. Again, you and I did not know each other. He just came up with this. So it's beginning to show up in society, this notion of co-creating Heaven on Earth. And uh, that's that's thrilling to me. It's showing up in a lot of different places. I I really had started doing this and hadn't even really Googled to see what else was out there until a couple of weeks ago, and I was amazed how many different things are are showing up. Um, yeah, it, it, and um, and from so- go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's these little. Not you know when you boil water, these little bubbles that originally uh, initially start to form when it gets hot enough. Mm-hmm. These aren't bubbles yet. I st- I'm saying that for now, you know they're bubblets, they're pre-bubbles, but the mm-hmm. bubbles are coming, and the boiling is coming in the good sense of the word boiling. And something's afoot here. I think as Shakespeare said that you know we're seeing we don't like certain the wars the environmental pollution the whatever the particular issue is for you and we've got to start changing the consciousness changing the narrative whether that's right wing or left wing um and coming up with something more powerful there's a a guy um the transpartisan alliance and i've forgotten his name i think it's montgomery but it's the transpartisan alliance this was a right wing republican guy from Georgia, who was running for Congress, uh, didn't win. And what he saw in doing his campaign was the vitriolic conversations out there, Uh, you know, everything short of killing each other, but, you know, verbally doing that. And he said, this can't continue. And so he's formed this group called the Transpartisan Alliance, and it brings together right and left in the U.S. And the conversations that they're having, it's just incredible to me. It's so deep, and, you know, they're really trying to understand each other, the language that they use, the hot-button language that, you know, the other side doesn't like. But this is, for me, this is clearly heaven-on-earth work, because they're, they're, they're struggling with how do we, you know, how do we bring this to a boil in a good sense so that we can, you know, move it from stagnant water to boiling water that we make tea and coffee with. Right. <laughs> we can create something, yeah. That so we can create wow. something, yeah. That's very so I, I also wanted to give you some other examples, some specific examples of what people have done as a result of... Please, um, that, that know, would the, be wonderful. Uh, what we, you know, we did a, a teleseminar on Heaven on Earth, and I have a Project Heaven on Earth uh, Facebook group 
not heaven on earth, but Project Heaven on Earth. Um, and and so some of the uh, things that people have done just are astounding me. Uh, one was a woman in uh, who was in Lunenburg County, uh, Nova Scotia, Canada, Sue Bookchin, who we were on the teleseminar. We were talking about the sufferings in the world. That was one of the sessions and what we could do about it. And she'd been working on uh, helping prevent, ending, excuse me, violence against women in her county, and it wasn't working. And she was very frustrated and very hurt by it wasn't working. No government support, no police support, whatever her issues were. And, you know, she, in her frustration, she said, well, what would you do? And I said, well, I don't know, Sue. I don't know your financial situation. You could donate $5,000. You could donate a penny. And she said, well, what difference would a penny make? And one of the other women on the phone call said, wait a minute. What if everybody in Lunenburg County gave a penny a day to help end violence against women? And she said, oh, my God. And they're going to start this September to do that. And I think the title is Change Makes a Difference. I think that's their title. But it's brilliant. Uh, another one was a, uh, a real estate agent. And her issue was, or not was, is homelessness. Really, really deeply bothers her, deeply upsets her. And so I said, all right, so what's, what's heaven on earth for homelessness? And she said, well, clearly a home for everyone. And then she jumped into, oh, but that's impossible. You know, I'm in a relationship. That takes a lot of time. I'm a real estate agent. I have to work like 100 hours every day. You don't understand, da, da, da. So I said, all right, Brenda, put that aside. What would you do? And she said, oh, it's obvious. And so what she did was she went back to her real estate agency, and she said, here's what I want. Here's what I'm asking you to do to help end homelessness in the world and provide a home for everyone. Would you be willing to donate $100 from every sale of every house or building that you sell into a pond? And we will come up with a way to help end homelessness. They've raised $30,000. Wow. I have a police officer in Lubbock, who I was talking to one day, and, he, and I said, this thought just came to me. I said, uh, well, what's heaven on earth for policing? And he said, simple the end of crime and people helping each other. And so they've he's created a 16-page manual called Heaven on Earth for Law Enforcement. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and a, a, a spiritual group in, in Sacramento called Bread of Life have created a 28-page manual on how to take Heaven on Earth into congregations. And so what I've read that online. That's a very interesting program. I was fascinated by that. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes, they it's fascinating. They, they wow. created it. So they, and I, re- I was really intrigued by that, the way that they take it in the congregations and bring into it the richness that various faiths have brought to the idea of, of heaven on earth. And yep. they're exploring it from a real multi-faith perspective. Fascinating. They are, they are. Yeah. They are. Um, yeah, so... The, the, the analogy or the metaphor, rather, that I want to use is, you know, if you think of Project Heaven on Earth like a piece of metaphorical software, so today you decide to go down to your local computer store and you buy a new piece of software, you come back to your home or office and stick it in, it boots up, and what's presented to you is this range of new possibilities and opportunities, but then the program stops, and in essence it says, Leah, I can't continue until you put unique Leah content in. And that's, for me, what Project Heaven on Earth is. 
It's that we're giving you this piece of metaphorical software that says you can have heaven on earth. It is not only possible, it's doable, but I need your specific content. And once I have your content, then we're off to the races. Martin, that's so beautiful. I, you know, this this is so moving when you're talking about these specific stories because you are, you're inviting each person, first of all, to bring what they want to change, what their vision of change, and then to bring their specific way. And I, I love the way you say, well, what is it that you want to do? And then the person says, oh, it's obvious. This is what I want to do. And then in this, you help them realize they're not alone. They don't have to do it all, even though they don't have enough time, they don't have enough money by themselves. They're not alone. And very quickly, people are making the jump to how to connect to make it happen in yeah. a collective way. Exactly. Wow. The, the, wow. One of the issues, one of the concerns about heaven on earth is, oh, my God, it's too big. We can't do it. Are you crazy? Who am I? You know, I'm just this little kid from this town. You know, I'm a black man, a white woman. A what? Pick a reason, whatever reason you want to use. And so they get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that I want to do is say, here's the magic wand, which makes it easy to just create heaven on earth, because you don't have to know how. That's what the magic wand does, is gives you permission to look at the what without knowing the how. And then once you have the what, I don't want you to get overwhelmed and stop. Rather, what I'd have want you to do is start, as, which is the third question. You know, what simple, easy steps can you take? Oh, well, simple, easy? That's easy. I can do better. Good. Then you're in. And then you're doing it. Yeah. It's, yeah, you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And you multiply well, and that. Multiple, multiply mm-hmm. that. So, for example, the, the, the one woman, <laughs> the, um, the questions, you know, I, one of the things I do in the seminar is say, well, let's suppose that you decided to speak to two people tomorrow, ask them, asking them the three questions and, and talking about heaven on earth. And you got a commitment from them that they would speak to two people the next day. That's all they have to do is commit to speaking to two people the next day. And then their commitment's finished. And there's 6.6 billion people in the world. How long would that take? Well, people say, you know, a year, two years, ten years, eight months, six months. And the answer is 32 days. And they're blown away by it. So I had this woman in Mexico City, from Mexico City, who said, oh, okay, then I'm going to simply smile at two people every day. And I thought, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It is perfect. And I would bet that just about everybody who does that, if they just begin, even if it's just smiling at two people a day, and they begin thinking of that, that that is, rather, that that is creating heaven on earth, other things then begin happening. Here's the secret, Leah, and you just said it, but I want to say it another way. The underlying belief is that we cannot have heaven on earth. And my evidence is hunger, war, poverty, starvation, so on, so on, so on. But what if we simply said, okay, here's my declaration, here's my commitment. As of today, I'm starting to create heaven on earth. That's it, just simply by declaration. Because that's how you start a new narrative. That's how you start a new uh, a, a, a new meme. That's how you start the next evolution of, of humanity. I mean, part of the things I had to look at at the beginning was, you know, who am I to say we can do heaven on earth? And I thought, well, why not? I don't want war. 
It makes me nuts. I don't want hunger and pain and starvation. I mean, I don't want to... Oh, but it's too big. You can't do it. I thought, well, what? But isn't that the way you start a story? By starting the story? And if we don't, we're doomed. I mean, you know, the, the way things are going, it's not great. And and why would we not want to just find out what we can do to change that? See, I don't know if we're doomed. I, I don't. For me, I don't want to get people into it from the doomed thing. I mean, if they want it, that's fine. Uh, for me personally, this is the way you began the interview, which is it's a puzzle. You know, can one individual change the story of hum, of human and humanity? And I'm saying, yes, and that person is you and me. Mm-hmm. And that's a much better way to say it. I, I wish I hadn't said we're doomed, but I guess there is that sense that so much is happening, you know, that that there's an urgency in a very positive way to just do it differently. And um, I, 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 I hear, also want to say mm-hmm. that I, I also want to say, and, and this may seem weird, but what if there's no urgency? What if you're just doing it to do it? Well, that's a lovely I thought. I, I, in this sense, I don't want people to in any way feel they have to do it or they're manipulated into do it or they have no choice. I want this to be a free choice. Look, I personally, for me, Martin Root, I don't like the story. I mean, I like some of the stories. I like, you know, the fact that you and I met online and have a wonderful relationship and never met in person or... John Wade and I met in, online, and you know, in this book that he wanted, you know, I helped him a small way with that. Um, so we're creating this new solution, uh, joyfully and easily, and, and sometimes not easily, but we're doing it because that's what we want to do. That's our longing for heaven on earth. That's beautiful. I appreciate that perspective, and I will remember that when I feel an urgency. You know. And there's a certain urgency that can feel negative, and then there's a certain urgency to me that can be like, yes, I want to do it. Maybe yes. urgency isn't the right word for it. but No, no, but that's the distinction. That's yeah. the distinction. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. want people voluntarily to join this this game called, you know, the new story of what it means to be a human and what it means to be humanity, and that we're co-creating it together. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's a source of deep joy and nourishment. And sometimes mm. it won't be easy. But, Beautiful. you know, the other side of it is because we've never created heaven on earth from a human point of view, we don't know. It could be easy. It could be hard. I have no idea. We'll find out as we're doing it. Well, and if we think in 32 days everyone in the world could have heard about it, then it's um, <laughs> not beyond um, belief. To well, just think of I, it in that I, simple way. Yes, and the other thing was, I spoke to a guy out in San Francisco about this, and he said, "Yeah, but Martin, I've got like six thousand people on my Facebook group. I, I, I could speak to six thousand or more, not two." And I went, "Oh well, okay, there goes that two a day business down the tube." <laughs> <laughs> it really, it could happen tomorrow, right? It could. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And you're right, that is a part of the story that's happening right now that's quite wonderful. And it, it's really important to remember we don't have to change everything. We we just have, um, and I think you mentioned the idea of fulcrum. We have certain areas that we begin making change, and then big things happen after that. The, 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 um, for me, the word is, is leverage. So mm-hmm. leverage meaning 
minimum input, maximum output. So, for example, one of the reasons I agreed to this interview was how many thousands of people will be will be listening to it, and it was one hour to do it or a little more, whatever, um, with huge potential positive repercussions. So, I invite people to look for how can you leverage your contribution to heaven on earth. And part of that would be just noticing who's around you to talk to about it, or but what are some examples of ways that you've well, seen people leverage I'll that? tell you an example. Uh, right now I'm speaking to you from Prince Edward Island, Canada, which is a small, uh, the smallest province, uh, and it's off the east coast of Canada. And uh, I'm going to be doing a workshop here this uh, coming Sunday, and we are looking at how to have... PEI, Prince Edward Island, be the first heaven on earth province in Canada. And so wow. last night I was. Yeah, we are. That's the purpose of the day. I've been doing that is so great. I've been doing, <laughs> I've been doing these retreats here, these one day retreats up on the north shore of the island, uh, in about two or th- four or five years now. And uh, I said last summer, uh, excuse me, three or four summers ago, Let's have PEI be the first heaven on earth province. I just said it. And there was a woman in the room, Kelly Redmond, who said, yeah. And so she and I were talking this a couple of months ago, and, 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 and I said, well, then why don't we, like, really do it? Let's just have a day focused specifically on that. And so we're doing that. And um, last night I was at a party, and there was a woman, a young woman, who runs a magazine on the island called Panache. And we were talking about heaven on earth, and she loved it. And so I said, wouldn't it be amazing if part of your magazine was devoted to heaven on earth, to Prince Edward Island as a heaven on earth province? Now, I'm not saying she's going to do it. Maybe I shouldn't even say the, the magazine's name, but she lit up at that. And that was an example to your question of leverage, you know. So mm-hmm. one of the things Perfect I'm always example. Look, Yeah, one of the things I'm always looking for is how can we make this bigger quicker mm-hmm. and so quicker, start, easier mm-hmm. quicker, easier mm-hmm. so I've, I've been saying to people uh, look for for the leverage I think part of, of the next piece of work I'm going to be doing is like what does that mean how do you recognize leverage and how do you increase leverage for me, it's it's like a no-brainer. It's just obvious. It shows up, but I I know for many people, it's not obvious. I love hearing you talk about this because there's just such a sense of deep connection to it, and and that it is a joyful, soulful game that you're involved in, and that you're just inviting everyone that you're around into it. Yeah, and, and here's the important part: the the verb inviting. So, uh, you know, last night at this party, there were some people who were like, no, not interested. They didn't, I mean, they were more polite than that, but, uh, which was fine, because I don't mm-hmm. want in any way people to be pressured. And the other thing I don't know is, I mean, I could have planted a seed that could sprout in, you know, a year, five years, ten years. I remember I was a plane once, and this guy I never met before since, you know, said something. And uh, I won't get into the details, it doesn't matter, but 20 years later, it was like the light bulb went on. That's what he meant. Um, mm. So you never know when 
you say something to people, and uh, you know it'll sprout many years from now. Yeah, that's very true. Well, Martin, I would like, you know, we have just a, a very few more minutes. Um, first of all, I'd like to make sure that people know how to connect with you. Um, so if you could like, give them your website, and, and you have a wonderful Facebook page about Heaven on Earth. Just, if you could just take a, a couple minutes and tell people how to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing. Thanks, Leah. Um, the Facebook, uh, it's a group called Project Heaven on Earth. It's important to put the word project in, in the beginning. Uh, by the way, the word project has two meanings, to project heaven on earth, as in a state of being, and the, which is the verb, and the noun, project heaven on earth, so uh, that you and I are doing this project together. So the being and the doing is inherent in the word project. So project heaven on earth on Facebook, projectheavenonearth.com on the web, or about this, or my other work, uh, martinroot.com, and root is R-U-T-T-E, uh, or the Center for Spirituality and the Workplace that we talked about earlier, which is uh, spiritualityandtheworkplace.ca for Canada. That's the, the uh, Spirituality and Workplace Center at the business school. And uh, John Wade's book, <laughs> John Wade's book, which is How to Achieve a Heaven on Earth. And you have an essay. You and your wife each have essays in that, isn't yes. that right? Yeah, I have mm-hmm. the... Wonderful. Almost the concluding essay. There, the concluding essay is a, uh, a request for funds for Oxfam that uh, the executive director, I think, of Oxfam wrote, and, and John, that's one of his favorite charities, so he put that in. Um, Great. But the second last one, which kind of wraps the book up, is mine. Excellent. I'm looking forward to reading that. I just heard about that from you a couple of days ago, so... Sounds great. Anything else, Martin, that you just want to say about this? Um, no, just thank wonderful. you, Leah. For, well, thank you for you and for doing this. And, uh, you know, uh, I think one of the other attributes here is serendipity. You know, John Wade showing up. And, uh, I mean, I, go- I, I keep Googling Heaven on Earth, and so I found John Wade. But you Googled Heaven on Earth and found me, so how this is all connected, as you most beautifully say, and your graciousness in all of this. So thank you. And, and your commitment to this work um, and your, your listeners who are committed to co-creating heaven on earth. But the time's come, Leah. The, really, the time has come. I like that. I really like knowing that. Let's just take just a minute, if we could, to just sort of settle into our listeners and Martin and I, to settle into that question Martin gave each of us, the first question of a time when you've experienced heaven on earth. And just let yourself feel that, noticing it with all your senses, sort of savoring it, enjoying it, just letting yourself be in that for a few breaths. And then taking a moment to have that wonderful magic wand that Martin has given us, and knowing that with it you can have heaven on earth, and just let yourself feel and sense and notice what is heaven on earth for you right now. Letting that become full and real over several breaths. 
And then finally, we invite you to just notice what simple, small actions you will take in the next 24 hours to continue creating and enjoying heaven on earth, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Thank you all so very much for being with us today. And thank you in your own way, in your own lives, for helping to co-create heaven on earth. The moderator has left the conference.